Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California in the U.S., and now I am located in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everyone. I am Alex Shi. I am from China, and I am talking to you from Beijing, China. Super far away from Jason. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. You know, that's interesting because today's topic is remote work, and this is kind of remote work because we're in different places. I was very impressed with how this was set up in the beginning, that we can just use this web portal and we can just use our own device. And I could hear you instantly, real time, and we have a recorded episode, even if we're not in the same studio. <laughs> you know, what's really interesting is I am at home. I'm recording from my own studio. We've taken great lengths to set this up as a studio in my home. And this is as a kind of remote work. One of the things I do every day, and I read on one of these many different websites about remote work because everyone is becoming familiar with remote work. I got up in the morning, I took a shower, brushed my teeth, combed my hair, like、mm -hmm. put on normal clothes, not pajamas, so that I was like, you know, feeling professional because that's what I read that people who do remote work are supposed to do is treat remote work like it's work. And, you know, the only people are seeing me are my wife and cat. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you count your animals, your pets, as part. Of your family members, <laughs> she is. She's like my daughter.、Aww. Yeah, I love my cat. I was talking about my cat the other day. My wife was like, "Well, what if this and what if that?"、And、I was like, "Wherever we go, whatever we do, Maymay's coming with us."、Aww. And when Maymay dies, I'm gonna dig a grave for her. Oh, let's not think about that day. Yeah, that's really sad. It's. I think we have a decade. That's good. That's good. <laughs> maybe more. You know, she's kind of spoiled and she takes good care of herself. So I think maybe we'll get a, a few extra years out of her. Probably if she's fit, then she'll live longer. So I wanted to talk. About、um, Wells Fargo specifically, and and Bank of America, you know the banks,、uh -huh. the big banks in the United States. Wells Fargo、okay. recently made the decision to postpone and forcing their workers to come in. So right now they they have a two hundred seventy thousand workers, one hundred thousand vaccinated workers are coming in on a volunteer basis. Not volunteer, but they're like, I choose to come to work. It's better for me. Yeah. So like that's what keeps all of the、uh, outlets open, so people can go to their bank and whatnot. But the other one. Hundred and seventy thousand who are currently working remotely don't have to come in for several more months. Bank of America made a similar decision and also told its its、uh, employees they don't need to come in until sometime in the summer. I'm not sure the exact month,、mm. but it's been postponed because people are concerned about the Omicron virus, which is sweeping across America, and、uh, so people are increasingly staying on remote work. And I thought we could talk about remote work as we do this part time remote work for this show. It is a kind of a new. Hot topic or trend, if you will, even without COVID, but COVID definitely made it more common and more accepted.、Mm, I'm wondering about this whole Meta thing. Is that because we don't currently need Meta? Will there come a time when everyone has to have Meta? Because I really don't want to put on goggles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I enjoy seeing the world. You know, I am.、Um, I am very <laughs> with my eyes. Very. I'm a little bit addicted to. Oh yeah. This thing. I. <laughs> 
<laughs> do you have one of those what is it second life things not the second life um not that far but i am i'm pretty hooked on vr because of my boyfriend and yesterday i almost bought another vr headset because wow. i was yeah and we were reading we're like you know watching these videos of saying like it will be the future goal of vr would be mm. A mixed reality. So it would be a device that combines virtual reality and augmented reality together. And so I am super I and then if if that happens, then I guess then I live in meta. I don't I don't know. <laughs> so you know, my wife, she tried it out. She got one of the, a couple of the headsets, like two different pairs. One where you could slide your phone into it, and the other one was its own independent device that didn't require a phone. And like both of them, she was like, Yeah, this is really cool. And then like a month later, it was like, I don't know, under the bed or something. So it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like something she got hooked on. It was more just like a curiosity, you know? Yeah, for for us, because the one that where you have to put a phone in there, that's kind of more like uh I don't know if you remember. Remember when Google Glass first came out, this was 2014, mm. and that was just kind of mm. a taste of what it could be. And then it's up to your imagination to really envision what you would be able to see. Like but you could get see other people attacking you in a bar because that's what I remember. <laughs> I remember there was the guy who wore Google Glasses somewhere in like the Silicon Valley area, yeah. went into a bar and everyone was like, no, get those off or whatever. They beat the guy up or something. And so like they were like, oh, maybe the, the world's not ready for this. <laughs> well, I guess right now the world is probably because we maybe yeah, yeah it's uh uh it used to be just facebook with the oculus quest now that pico neo is kind of coming out with when they they're, wow you know a lot about i this. am really like i am not because i've never been a gamer but ever since i got in touch with uh the oculus quest thanks to my boyfriend who bought it over I was like, this is very, very cool. It's, I mean, I don't like the fact that I would have to, if I have to wear it for longer than, I don't know, an hour, it does feel really weird because you're in a physical space, but you're living in a virtual world. That's why when we saw that, you know, the kind of the ultimate goal of evolving these devices is to make it a uh, mixed reality, then I was like, okay, that, that makes a lot more sense than just a headset where it covers your, both of your eyes and you can't see anything that's around you. You know, oftentimes what it takes for people to really enjoy enjoy something is fiction you know like whether it be a book or a movie and there was that movie called ready player one about like yeah. a video gamers living in like a video game a mm -hmm. world obsessed with video games where the, basically the video game world had surpassed the real world in some respects and there was recently a movie oh i can't remember what it's called it's about like a, a video game character who comes to the life uh, God, I am a, ryan goss not ryan gosling ryan reynolds ryan reynolds uh, yeah free guy, a, free guy free guy free yeah exactly and so both of those movies kind of tackle this and now that people have seen this this kind of fiction and they're like oh okay this sounds fun i could just wear glasses to still see the world but then like when i say like how do i get to such and such park <laughs> there'll be like arrows floating in the air and i could just follow them to get there or whatever don't you look forward to that i look forward to that <laughs> i don't want to have to wear a big clunky thing on my head you know i if there's some way that it's like really passive and easy like a pair of glasses with like a cool screen inside yep. the technology for what i want is not what i'm seeing like of what people really have hey you know what? You should just keep uh, thinking and bring it forward. You know, one dream I had in high school was like, I was like, why do I always have to charge my own phone when the person sitting next to me has 100% battery? Why wouldn't it be awesome if I could just borrow some of that person's battery? And it's a technology now. What? Huawei has implemented this function for a long time. I've been just robbing my mom of her phone battery. <laughs> you know, the whole wireless charge thing that 
uh, iPhones could do. Like that technology, Huawei kind of took yeah. it one step further. I think ever since two years ago, you were able to just put two phones back to back, and then the phone with more battery could give uh, the phone with less battery battery power. Wow, that's amazing! I was in a Xiaomi store recently, and it was the very first time I actually put like a phone on one of those pads where it could automatically start charging. Yeah. And the the cool thing about Xiaomi is it shows you how fast it was charging. It was far- charging way faster than my previous phone just by sitting on top of this like hmm. panel and it was just wow i know technology so keep dreaming Jason. my dad used to say when i was young i was using a computer and my d- i would say dad you should you learn how to use the computer and he always say son when the computer can talk to me like you can that's when i'll use a computer you know that computer like i'm sorry siri that computer has not come out so yeah maybe that these these very light easy simple glasses that give you very simple augmented reality mm-hmm. are just not going to come soon enough i think another three four years we'll see products like that talking about remote work and if it's done through meta that's great and i think you can actually work through meta i saw a thing on uh, the people's daily recently where they were talking about meta and apparently baidu has this whole meta division now where they're working on augmented reality mm-hmm. and obviously facebook has renamed itself meta to maybe avoid controversy and other about other things but yeah. <laughs> all kinds of companies are working towards this and, and billions and billions of dollars are being pumped into it but, you know, working remotely isn't all just about augmented reality. It's about using the phone. It's about using your laptop efficiently. It's about having con calls and using like blue jeans and Zoom and like WeChat is, is a really wonderful way to have a conference. And like people can use all these technologies to work from a remote place. Absolutely. But I think um, the whole working, not working in an office together as a team thing started a long time ago. And and mm. my first my first job, not job, it was more of a, an internship kind of thing was with uh, TEDx Beijing back in 2010. I remember my parents were dropping me off um, at a meeting. I was like, oh, this is an internship and we're going to have a team meeting together. And they're like, where are you guys going to meet? Where's your office? I was like, we don't have an office. We're going to have a meeting at Starbucks. And I remember the look on my dad's face was like, <laughs> who are these people you're going to have a meeting with <laughs> that they don't have an office and they're, you know, working in the Starbucks. And then after I came back from the US, the whole shared workspace thing became really, really popular. And my parents, again, had a hard time kind of, you know, uh, grappling with this idea of like teams and companies sharing one space. But really, like I was freelancing uh, before my current job a lot, you know, most of the time, um, unless I was on a longer project within the company, I would be just working from anywhere, my home, a different coffee shop. And actually pretty, unless I had to be on a conference call, other times I really enjoyed that feeling of just putting myself in a different coffee shop every day mm-hmm. and, and you know, working from an environment that doesn't make me feel like I am bound to my desk. Mm-hmm. So I really, I really enjoyed that. You know, I'm middle-aged, so oftentimes I have, I feel a certain comfort from being in an office where it's like, this is the official place to conduct one's business, you know, like mm-hmm. there's something almost comforting about it and like i work in a school so there's a teacher's lounge with a coffee machine and like seeing my coworkers in person and then having chat that's that are not about work 
and like I, I don't know maybe I'm just too old and it's more challenging for me but you know I worked in Beijing very briefly as an English tutor for as, in a company and I'm not sure I don't remember the name of the company mm-hmm. but they were in the Van Tone building in a in downtown and mm. uh, their entire uh, platform their entire business was built around renting office spaces ah. so like instead of going to a Starbucks or like whatever so a lot of businesses that didn't have their own offices that needed meetings they yep. would rent they would rent an office on the every Monday from you know 7 to 10 a.m. or whatever and maybe Fridays from 3 to 5 or whatever and so they would have office space available in this building and they would just have different companies coming and going having meetings in in their offices which were provided to other businesses which didn't have their own formal offices so very similar to maybe your TEDx experience accepting that you know instead of going to Starbucks they just temporarily rented office space for when they needed yeah and I think that's a more and more popular way of renting workspace uh, for a lot of companies especially now that there are a lot of startups or more like a personal studio or workshops they don't really need to be in a you know an office all the time yeah. all the time so it financially it makes a lot of sense for them to just rent a space for meetings where you do have to be physically together although arguably there are a lot more i guess I, I guess it would be interesting to find out the statistics on how many meetings conducted mm, nowadays mm, mm. are virtual versus those that are conducted, you know, in real life, not in real life, but physically together. We're also still living through an outlier period because presumably life will go back semi-normal in the next year or two. Mm. And like a lot of these uh, trends will maybe turn a little bit. I'm sure that there's enough impetus now that a lot of it can stay permanent a lot more than it was previous to 2019. Yeah. But I'm I'm also thinking that, you know, those 170,000 employees for Wells Fargo are going back to work at some point. I've heard that some bigger companies have. Well, the word that they used was uh, they will let their employees work remote indefinitely. Mm, mm. So, like, if you don't choose to, if you don't want to come to office and if you're, for example, if your work is kind of just completely administrative where you have to just, you know, categorize the files or just making sure you log everything into the system system where you don't really have to constantly communicate with another coworker then if you want to work from home you have mm-hmm. you have you have that option yeah i think you're right it really depends on you know you say administrative but some administrative work is administ you know managing people and so some of that yeah seems like it could be done in person because a lot of the kinds of conversations between a leader and their report or a line manager and the report need to be take have a human touch don't you think like where you sit down with them and you're like hey how's it going today yeah yeah. So that's actually, you know, my previous job I'm at company was this whole international communication improvement thing. And a lot of it was actually about due to COVID or due to the expansion of the company, there are a lot of global teams within the company that have never met each other mm-hmm. in real life. So there's a lot of things that they wanted to improve, like how can we make sure the onboarding mm-hmm. experience is good enough to make people feel like they belong to the team this person can't meet up with and then how do we make sure that the team could allocate some time every week to do you know virtual team building activities that is going to interest virtual team building yeah could you give me one example of a virtual team building very simple ones like if you play the game pictionary yes i have so you (laughs) you actually have like a whiteboard or something or like a piece of paper so there are websites there are free websites that you could access and you just build private rooms and you send Uh. that information 
info to your team and you just sit together and play Pictionary for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and there's bound to be there's bound to be some really funny moments. Like I'll give yeah. I'll give you one example. We have a team member in Singapore whose name is the same with the greatest literature literature masters in the world. Her name is uh, Shakespeare. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, and then um it was so funny when it was her turn. That was one of the options. And she just drew like a piece of paper with lines and she drew a, an arrow pointing to that piece of paper and she wrote me. And we're like, what? <laughs> William Shakespeare. It was, it was great. I mean, it's, it's of course not the same with, you know, uh, offline team building where you could quite mm. literally be together. Well, I don't know. A lot of offline team building or in-person team building or word games, you know, like the one that I, I remember really strongly is taping a piece of paper to the, someone's back, actually. So and you'd have to write like positive adjectives about them. Oh, but, I, you know, you could you could still do that like digitally somehow. I'm sure there I'm sure there is a way. And then there's so many because because this thing has become like working remotely has become so common in the past two years. Mm. Um, whether people choose to or they were forced to. So a lot of uh, coaching groups or, you know, just uh, whatever consulting groups have come up with different ways to help people connect while they're work they're working virtually together. So you, you bring something up that's really interesting because you're talking about internationally. You know what? In terms of like international work, it seems like we have finished paving the path because if you have employees in Singapore and China, the United States, Canada or England or whatever, and like you guys need to work together, there's no reason to fly. You know, you don't need to have that expensive meeting where someone or a team of people fly to another location to have a meeting anymore. You could just do that digitally and save the company millions. Yeah, we you know per year. That's one. That's one of the reasons why when, when you talked about you felt like there's a sense of security or something along the lines of that when you go into the office one thing i love mm. about going to work is the meeting room e uh, equipment and devices that we have mm. so like we're able to book a meeting room in the system right and then when we go in the meeting room itself has this system where it makes it super easy for you to share your screen onto the big screen where everybody can see in the meeting room and the meeting room table has these really sensitive really great microphones that could hear everyone even if you're just kind of whispering the other people online will be able to hear you and you could check in you could mm -hmm. call in from that thing like i love these gadgets so i'm like i feel mm -hmm. sometimes even if i am scheduling a one-on-one -on -one meeting with somebody else if there's a meeting room available i'm like i'll book it i'll just go into a meeting room and it was just me in a 12 people capacity room and a big screen and i just <laughs> love it that sound, i mean that sounds really nice i was a, a leader i was in a leadership position it was called a language learning director and i had a, a huge team of about 20 25 people when you know COVID happened and a a lot of people who work in construction, they were just like, I can home. But I was working at home. And, you know, it wasn't that work was hard. Work was fine. You know, it was very balanced. It was very similar amount of hours that I was working previously in the company. But what was difficult is a lot of my team were scattered because people were like, oh, I might get trapped in China. And I was working in China. Some of them stayed in China. And some of them went home. So some of them went home to like England and Australia and Western Europe and stuff and like South Africa. And so like my big problem, which really stressed me out for a long time while I was managing this team was mm. that 
I would get people calling me at three in the morning. And in order to make sure that, you know, because I was new to this, being a leader remotely, it was very challenging because I, I, I was like, if I don't take this call mm-hmm. and then I try to call them later, I might not get them. So like, and because these people were also new to it and they didn't, they didn't know hours and conversions yeah. really well. So I was at all hours available to like 25 people. And it was extremely taxing. So I think I think for like international companies, they need to make sure that they have regional leadership <laughs> in order to, because one person in man- managing a team that's global, yeah. that's that's a lot of work. It's extremely stressful. I know we are team the team, uh, the current team I work with, we are spread in not just China and Singapore, also have people actually in uh, L.A. So that's our, the whole team kind of cr- strides over. I think um, uh, 18 hours of time difference or 15 hours. So it's, it's, oh wait, that's not correct. I'm not sure anymore, but uh, <laughs> I I did a lot of this um, even before joining the company when I was working on this animation project. It's like, we're here in Beijing and the client is in France and the managers are in New Caledonia. So if we're trying to, and then the director's in London and every time we're trying to do anything at all, we're like, oh God, someone has to wake up super early. Someone has to just <laughs> not get off work until 8 p.m. or something. Mm. So it's managing time zones is become i guess a new i've seen it in in job descriptions or a lot of this new job openings and for international teams would be like you have to be able to manage time zones very well well you know in france they have uh rules so like um if you get off work at i don't know what time 3 30 let's say hypothetically oh wow your boss <laughs> i'm just say, saying the, theoretically you cannot be yeah. contacted by your boss until it's time for you to be at work again so, i have heard that yeah so it's illegal it's actually punishable by fines and it's criminal for you for your at the boss to like reach out to you at 345 and say hey don't forget to bring your report into work tomorrow at 8 a.m or whatever you can't do that you can just have to assume that everything is going to go fine and you're not allowed to reach out to your employees for any reason whatsoever by email or by a text or by a via phone call or etc cetera, etc cetera, social media included so like i'm wondering for people in these and i think spain passed some laws that are the same mm. so now just recently and like in the last month so Spain and France, like in order for them to work with a remote team that's global, it's got to be extremely challenging because the law is now in the way of them being able to do that. I know. And and I'm not trying to make decisions for any companies, but in the face of challenges like these, especially if that's going to go against local laws and regulations, that's uh, the only solutions I could think of is that you have to get the local authorities agreement or the other move to Portugal like, <laughs> and just be like hey this is my working hour and I request a different working hour like for example when we had a global meeting one day we had a we had to take the call at 12 a.m I think or some it was a very late time or 10 and then the meeting went on for two hours and we finished our meeting at 12 at midnight for us and then we're like if we're having a meeting until midnight then can we push off the time we get to work tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I feel like people might need to have a more flexible hours 
thing. Like there could be a regulated amount of hours you could work. But if I have to work late, then I start work later tomorrow. Well, you were talking about some kind of administrative work. And there's a lot of work that is piece based. So like you might be a computer programmer or you might be doing input like data input. So maybe your work is not actually related to the amount of hours you work. Depending on how efficient you are, you might have less hours or depending on how inefficient you are, you might have more hours. So if work was piece-based, then people who are working remotely in those cases could choose their own hours to some extent, as long as I could finish at the end it. of the week or the end of the month, they turn in the uh, the requisite amount of work. Yeah, right? that's like my uh, previous working life when I was working for myself, when I'm just taking on projects. Like, if I can get it to you by the end of the week, then it's all up to me when and how much I want to work. I've seen TED talks about like post procrastination. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I've been in college and I knew a lot of people who are procrastinators. I am the exact opposite of a procrastinator. Uh-huh. So like if I had a work like that and it was like, okay, start on Monday by Tuesday, I'd be finished and exhausted. <laughs> and then I would basically have three days off. My mom would have loved to have a child like you because she hated me when I was in school. I would, we would have two months of summer break and I would not touch my homework <laughs> until the last week. She hated me. You know, where that. I'm from, they were like not so keen on giving homework San Joaquin Bali at my schools they were like okay it's summer go play in the mud now I know we just <laughs> didn't have anyone else to take care of us and homework is kind of just a way to really <laughs> make sure that we spend some time indoor we're not running outside all the time well you know I could have done I actually in retrospect as much fun as I had I think I would have preferred to have some sort of like skill building thing that happened during those intervals so like you know if I were to have my own child I would prefer that they had some kind of like learning experience over their summer breaks or holidays yeah my child will probably just be in dance camps <laughs> <laughs> oh you're oh yeah that's right you're a salsa dancer and it, uh, one of your slashes yes, it's one of my slashes <laughs> uh, so how many hours a week do you spend salsa dancing? oh i mean again this is totally like what we just said when, when i was able to arrange my own work when i was working remote completely i would i could go i could dance up to Mm. i guess almost eight to ten hours a week now because i'm going into the office there's commutes that would cost me two hours of my day to just you know either way of transportation whether subway or or taxi it's gonna cost Mm. me an hour one way i try to go if I could go for two hours per week, I am lucky. Mm. I, I want, I've talked about so. this on the on the show before, and I want to talk about it again, because when I read this as an American, thinking about the economy in the U.S. and some of the, the new uh, trends, I found this really fascinating. So in the United States, a lot of people have been pointing to people not returning to work as mm. kind of like a protest against the working conditions and wages. I also think, you know, having read a lot of other data, that that's not enti- an entirely accurate portrayal of what's going on. And I think our listeners would be interested in it. So in addition to the fact that, you know, people may have retired slightly earlier because of the (laughs) pandemic. So some people who were going to retire in two or three or four years have just like, okay, well, I just do it now. Why not? You know, so that's part of it. But, you know, it's also not about like kids saying, I don't want to work at McDonald's for minimum wage. It's not entirely about that, although that may be part of it because people are maybe living together with their families more. I yeah. mean, their parents, I mean, which is fine in this day and age. I think it's increasingly accepted in the United States culturally. 
But it's also about like a lot of remote workers, and this is what I really found fascinating, decided like, hey, you know, Philadelphia or San Francisco is expensive. Why would I live here and remote work? Yeah. So a lot of them moved to some pristine, like beautiful town on a river, you know, somewhere else in, in the country where they could just buy a house with what they were renting. And now they're like, hey, I have this opulent house and I can just work remotely here. And so people, a lot of people did this, you know, en masse in millions of people. And they're not living where they were previously. And they're remote working in these more yeah. idyllic situations. So here's part of the mismatch is like suddenly these restaurants, fast food establishments that are there are comparatively ram. And so like the town had decades of like growth history and like expected to have this many amount of people working in restaurants and like pharmacies and and grocery stores but now they need 20 or 30 or 40 percent more employees to keep up with all of yeah. the people that have migrated from the cities back into the rural areas and now they, they need more people they don't have enough like people want to work at taco bell to make enough mcdonald's and burger king or whatever for all of these city folk who have suddenly appeared and so like that is kind of creating like a mismatch of who is available for what jobs in what places and so i think like uh the dynamics of how you know the entire economy in the u.s and probably a lot of other countries around the world have changed somewhat because of migration i mean the if we look at the numbers in san francisco and i remember my friends were telling me about their living and working conditions and of course they're all these all these are all like data journalism students that i was i knew from uc berkeley mm -hmm. and they were all working mm -hmm. at i mean like apple and google mm -hmm. and all of these you know uh, really good companies but they were making very little money and they told me that for them to get a room in san francisco it costs like twenty four hundred dollars per month i'm mm, like mm. that's how that's how much we're paying even in new york like that's how much we're paying for our two-bedroom apartment in total and they're like it's twenty four hundred for like for them per person mm. and then for me to even look at that number in chinese money that's even crazier 10 12 years ago i was paying fifteen hundred dollars for a room that's in insane some, in some Someone else, else's duplex that they were renting from a Chinese family who lived on the other part of the duplex. So there's like, I don't know, 10 people living in this house and my part of the rent was $1,500. Oh my God. I, I, that's just, and to share a bathroom that's too. That's just crazy to think about. And I just wonder, I always wonder, and I look at all of these reports of how many people are what they call like digital, not digital nomads, but people who work in Silicon mm, Valley mm. and who just decided not to live in a home anymore because like financially it makes zero sense to them. And if we're just talking about having... So wait, wait, where are they living? They like sleep at work? They live in their cars. Really? Like, wow. There is a huge, there was a huge trend of people just not living in apartments anymore. They live in their cars and they could shower in their company and whatever. And I'm not going to lie. I thought about, I did think about because there's a gym in our company oh my gosh you just nailed it i was talking i was going to tell you a story i was going to tell you a story so you finish your story that i'm going to tell you my story right so uh, i was thinking like there's a gym in my company and there's like a, a a sleep room there's a break room in our company for like there's a men break room there's a, a a women break room and there are like i think six beds in there you could just go in there and take a nap i was like what if someone decides to and people in my company work really late too i'm like what if someone just decides to work th late there every day and they take a shower at the gym and they they could technically live in the company i'm like is that okay <laughs> well, you know i knew a guy back in my um 
the town I grew up in, Modesto, California. And uh, there was a guy who lived in, what is it? They're called bugs, but it's like the bigger bug, like the van bug. Oh, Volkswagen <laughs> van. I don't remember what they're called. But anyways, he lived in this van. He paid a gym membership mm-hmm. to a 24-hour gym, and he would just yeah. park in front. And so he'd wake up in the morning and go into the gym and shower and brush his teeth and do everything, right? Because it had the, all of the amenities and get back in his car and drive to work. So like that was his, and he was like, I was like, why are you doing this? You know, you have enough money. He was like, yeah, I do have enough money. I could rent a place, but why should I rent a place if I can just pay the gym? The gym is way cheaper than renting a place. And I don't mind sleeping in my van. And I was like, okay, that was, and I thought that was really interesting, you know, because there's some people on YouTube who kind of do the same stuff. If you follow them, I watch this guy who likes going camping where you're, you would never expect people to go camping. Hmm. And like, increasingly, there are people who are doing what you're talking about. I don't know how many of them are remote working for digital companies, but there's a lot of them who are like living in their vehicles and driving across the country on ca- and living in campgrounds. And they're not like poor folks. They're like people with like nice digital cameras and like they're just like doing it for the thrill of it kind of thing. It's like a whole new adventure for a lot of Americans right now. I mean, I wouldn't take advantage of the, the you know, resources just to get a thrill out of it. But I do know that there are a lot of people who work for these companies and they can't they either have the actual needs in their family where they need to save money for their kids mm, or whatever mm, mm, where mm, they mm. have to live super far yeah. and for them to make like you know spend four hours in total every day to commute to the company it's mm. it's really a lot on a person mentally and yeah. physically you know so like if part of the job could be done remotely just putting out a motion just putting a motion yeah. out there if anyone hears this then, you know if this person comes in like two days a week to do meetings that are necessary and where he could chat with his co-workers and really build this rapport with his co-workers that'll help with their collaboration at work then do we really need him to come in for the rest of the three days of the week as well yeah or, yeah you know? i see what you're saying so some maybe in some people's cases they could work part of the week with their co-workers in physical in, in physical form and then the rest of the time they could be you know further away and in a more comfortable environment yeah because i i did read um this uh, thing like at the break of covid uh when people first were like okay we all have to work remote now i think the number of people working remote was like 300 million or something back then yeah this is this was the number of last year and even though that most people have returned to work i still feel like a large number of people are working remotely even just within china because my friend's company which is not a huge um, uh, animation company they were working with their all of the mostly the entire crew was working remotely and all of these uh office softwares that support remote work have really boomed in the past two three years so that provided this possibility Mm -hmm. as well Obviously, there are a lot of high tech jobs now where there weren't in like the 1980s in the same way or the 1990s. So there are more opportunities for people to work remotely. But some jobs, you know, are going to be mainstays of in-person working. For example, you know, someone who works in construction or, you know, if someone's going to build your deck in the back of your house, isn't going to be able to work remotely, at least not until they have androids that he can control from (laughs) home or something. (laughs) 
And then the android goes rogue. (laughs) (laughs) See, here's the thing. And this android is controlled by an actual worker with a meta headset. (laughs) And it's not, it doesn't think for itself. It's just some guy named Bob in his house, like building the house at home. (laughs) Glad I didn't say it was, it was controlled by Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know if you're into building decks, maybe it could be a new hobby for you. I'll see into it. But I mean, I, (laughs) I was going to say, I do what, even though I'm saying that there's a lot of advantages or a lot of mm. things that would, you know, a lot of reasons why working remote would probably make a little bit more sense. The the reason why people were able to work remotely with like round of COVID in 2020 and even till today, there are a lot of people working, it's still working remote mm-hmm. was because I imagine these people already had physical, physical, you know, not physical, but they already had um, experience with each other in person mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. that. We, like, I, that's the thing that I really needed. I am sort of still finishing my onboarding experience right now. And our other, my colleague that is kind of helping me with that, she's not in Beijing. And when she was here for a couple of days, I was everything was just a lot easier for us. We could just immediately talk to each other instead of calling. Cause I don't know when I call, if she's available, she doesn't know if like, if she calls me, I will be available. And even if you're just two minutes apart, you could miss a whole hour. So this kind of physical connection that you need that, you know, the need of being physically together to work in a more smooth, uh, fashion, that's still, that's still something that cannot, we cannot be like that cannot be overcome at the moment but if we have vr you know (laughs) well you raise an interesting question a lot of the people i guess the vast majority by far of people who are working remotely previously worked in person so my question is are companies really hiring new people to work remotely my company does and then now you see like i am i was super super hooked on these job websites you know uh when i was in states Mm -hmm. or here and Mm -hmm. i've been looking at this trends like the section of remote work has grown so much in the past couple of years. Like there's so many more opportunities mm. of people, you know, working remote, the, the companies looking for people to work remotely with them. For example, because of my, because of my background, there's a lot of like media job openings or, or uh, jobs that deal with text and stuff. And they're just like, you can just work mm. remote because all we need you to do is either uh, is write or proofread right. this. And we just need our editor or our person in charge of, uh, you know, our manager to, to talk to you because that's what the manager does anyways the manager deals with the vendors independently so we don't need you to come in another question another follow-up is like i'm wondering like okay so does this mean that the future of people who work remotely is that they're going to have to use their own equipment yeah so like is, is the standard that you need to have a nice high quality laptop or are companies who are hiring remote workers going to be still providing like the same kind of equipment because, you know, if you're going to be working at home, maybe you don't have like a nice office desk. Yeah. Maybe you don't have a nice office chair. Maybe you don't have like <laughs> a nice computer. So like suddenly is the onus on ha- all of the equipment the business needs to run on the individual employee instead of the employer. I can't speak for every company. My company still, the company I work for still sends out the computer for uh, their their new hires mm, because mm, mm. there is, I mean, 
I don't think my job, uh, it's not too important when it comes to information security. I still, we still need to be very safe with it. But I imagine other positions, other teams need a lot like more risk, a lot more strict um, security measures. So they have to use the company laptop. But if you're just doing, for example, you're just trying to outsource translation work, then, you know, there's no basically there's no requirement on what device you use. Well, we also have the a question of bias. So let's say, okay, you're currently working for a translation company. I'm just going to use that as the example because that's the one you just gave. And you're working remotely for a translation company. You work, say, three years for them. It's a reasonable amount of time to work for a company and still be an effective new hire for someone else. And then they look at your resume and say, oh, you were working remotely for three years, mm. maybe there'll be some hiring manager, some HR folks that are going to look at that and see it as a negative. Oh, you weren't working with coworkers in, an, in, in a work environment. And that might actually maybe be reflect negatively in some in some companies. Some other companies may be the opposite. They'd be like, oh, great, you can work remotely and you, you have a track record of doing that well. That's what we're looking for. But tra- making the transition from remote work to the office work, it might be more challenging because some people might have a bias against it. I think that's probably something that is happening right now where people look at your experience and say, that's not a real work experience with this company because you are not physically mm. there. I think that's absolutely bound to change, though. If your work does not require, you know, talking to people face to face, and if you're able to complete your projects, your assignments, then there is really nothing that's going to, in my imagination, in my vision of the world, that is not going to stand in between you and this future job opportunity and speaking of you know remember when you're like if everything's done through meta i'm like if everything could be done through meta we could just make my living room you know an office the like a virtual office where i could see everybody's avatar walking around (laughs) okay there's a couple things i want to say number one is like i think one of the biggest biases that people have right now against remote work is probably not necessarily the pajama thing i think that's that's one of the things that pops into people's head is oh Oh, they're in their home in their pajamas. (laughs) But I think the number one thing is for people who are not doing piecework, people who are doing like quality control work or whatever, like something that takes, you know, your attention for long periods of time and you're supposed to be doing it for eight hours a day or whatever with bricks, of course. (laughs) Um, How do supervisors know that their employees are really doing the best job that they could be doing if they're not in a cubicle to be looked at every now and then, you know, randomly? So I think a lot of people are, I think the bias that might come up immediately for a lot of people who don't understand what remote work is. How do we make sure that people are actually, in fact, working and not just like watching like the Matrix? Or yeah, I, get, I think that speaks to the whole little transition, not even transition, kind of just a recent trend of moving into gig economy where people are really just mm, being mm. looked at or being evaluated based on the projects that they finish. Mm, you know, mm, like mm. if we're saying about quality control and you're like, what does it matter if this person's working eight hours or not, if you could finish the quota that he was given, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? And I think yeah. I just, I, maybe it's just my hope. I hope the world works like that. So I could- Well, I was just thinking, because you mentioned meta, if someone's like, <laughs> I don't know, avatar, I guess that that's- Yeah. Is just standing in the corner. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but like I could, I, idly, you'd be like, where are you in the bathroom again? <laughs> or Exactly. Like I, I see you're not working, Jason, move. <laughs> yeah, push the cursor. 
make your uh-huh. your avatar move around, make him look like he's working. Exactly. <laughs> and with with all of these, you know, incorporation of these sensory cameras on the device and that you could install in your home or whatever. I don't mm. know if you want to do that, but you should be. Oh, that just got dark because now, <laughs> now, now there are all these cameras in my house making sure that I'm working. I know that got really dark. That's like a Black Mirror episode. Oh, yeah, I think it did. We just wrote an episode of Black Mirror. We have so thank, many. Thank you. We want our money. Don't forget to send it to yeah, us. Yeah, call us and let us know. We'll write it for you. <laughs> you have two episodes. You have the one where it's just work and then the, another one where someone's using the camera at odd hours. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Be like, you're sh- you're not supposed to be working right now. What are you using the company camera for? Dun, no. dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, I yeah. know. Wow. It is definitely a new world that we're walking into so fast, you know? Absolutely. Like, things are changing so... I mean, you know, this period of time has been a catalyst for change. These kind of changes had been coming for a long time, but just this, this period of time has really activated all of this new technology and created a lot of new empires, you know, like new companies that were just like, oh, we're going to try to get people to do conferencing. And they're like, woohoo, yay, this is our opportunity. And so a lot of companies were made in this time. This whole entire industry of working remotely seems to be launching off of the ground and creating new entrepreneurs and new successful companies. And maybe creating, like you were talking about with the people who are living in their car, like new opportunities for them to live. Instead of worrying about paying $2,500 a month to live in San Francisco, that person can now live in the countryside in Oregon and like pay like $2,500 a year and like work and be happy and not commute for four hours and the desperation. And and maybe even the roads are less congested because less people are going to be commuting. Actually, the knock-on benefits are so enormous, really. (laughs) Because like instead of like 10 million people commuting throughout Los Angeles, you have 7 million people commuting throughout Los Angeles. Right. The more you think about it, the more you're like, this is a really good idea. Everybody wins. (laughs) Yeah, Get off my roads. I want you to move to Wyoming. Go. Exactly. And then (laughs) you might have a happier worker, you know, and he will be more efficient and productive at work and you, the company performs better. Why not? of people who need because San Francisco in addition to being a tech hub is also an education hub I'm just thinking of as an example of a lot of other cities around around the United States so like the rent dropping for the students could be because all of the entrepreneurs are not a huge percentage of the entrepreneurs moving out and the tech people moving out could really reduce rent to a reasonable amount for people who need to be there to go to UC San Francisco or UC Berkeley or like you know I don't know that law school I forget what it's called Uh, (laughs) Hastings Davis. Oh no. Hastings. Davis is in Sacramento, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh that's one of that's the only law school that I know my friend went to on the on the, the West Coast. Mm. But I don't know if this is um I was watching some uh comedy clips the other
other day and there was one clip from Pete Davidson and he was talking about people who major in English and he said I have a friend who majored in English and he graduated college with a major with a degree in English with an $80,000 student loan on his back and he goes and then what can you do when you graduate with a degree in English you could only teach English to pay off the loans and he's like this is a pyramid scheme <laughs> huh yeah that's terrifying actually and I think a lot of people are actually coming you know that's a whole separate issue the student loan debacle that is going on in the United States and I don't think we have time but um I did want to ask you about China specifically because we have been almost entirely referencing global or in the United States mm -hmm. there are a lot of huge tech companies Huawei Xiaomi uh, Baidu uh, ByteDance all these huge massive like digital companies that exist in China is remote work a trend here um I mean last year definitely and then even now some companies give their employees an option to like every week you have the option to work from home for one day mm. you know it's, and then um I this might not be very understandable in the states but in China like if your female employees want to just take some days off or one or two days off uh -huh. you know like you could you could work from home you don't have to wake up and sit in an office for a whole day if you're not feeling too hot you know that day and you could just stay home yeah, and work yeah. and a lot of like i said unless you're a coder or someone who deals with quality control where you have to work on the company server you might need to come to the office like it's probably harder for you to work from home for work from home too much but these companies also provide their employees with their company um you know uh, company servers where you could connect to company service like company internet service from your home service via <laughs> some sort of router that the company provides whatever you know these technical terms but you're able to log onto your company network from home which secures you know information as well so there are a lot of technologies and a lot of software that, software that have been implemented to help people with a smoother working from home experience and I know for a fact that a lot of these big tech companies in China are doing that for their employees. Hmm. Well, you know, that's really interesting in terms of like people's ability to have flex time because a, a lot of people are, were able to return to work because China was managed a lot differently. <laughs> I would say mm -hmm. better than <laughs> elsewhere. So like after the initial pandemic was over, it was like, okay, everything's fine now. <laughs> like you can go back to work. So yeah. like almost all over the country, everyone was actually returning in physical form to their work. But like one thing uh, I think that probably I'm just guessing kind of speculating <laughs> is that, you know, China is like, you know, the number one exporter of goods in the world. So I'm sure a lot of folks yep. elsewhere who are doing business in China are able to take advantage of all of the, you know, the technology that allows them to have conferences and like connect remotely with yeah. the distributing network here with all the logistics people and all the, the manufacturers so that they can make sure that they're getting their, uh, their products delivered to wherever they need to go efficiently. And yeah, well. but you know, in terms of like, I guess you work in that field to some extent, like you mentioned that people are having flex days and flex opportunities to like not necessarily come in some of the time, but are there remote workers who are completely and entirely working like from home or from elsewhere? I don't want to, you know, speak on my assumptions, but we have our interns who work completely remotely. They, some of them, mm -hmm. they came for a little bit and they were like, Oh, we'll have to go home. And they just went back to their home hometown that's not in Beijing and they just started to work remote online completely and we have people who have to go back and forth between China and the US and when they're in the US they just work remote with the China team when they come back they work with us um, of course just physically so uh, 
I can't remember if we have people. I know that between cities, there are people who, for example, most of the departments are in Shanghai, but then they have this one new hire. They really want to be on the team, but this person is in Beijing, and they're like, okay, then you'll just work in the Beijing office, but you'll just work with the Shanghai team via all of these <laughs> online communication. But we're not gonna miss out on a talent like this just because this person doesn't want to relocate. <laughs> so in. In this case, in this particular instance, this person is is still in the office. They're just in an office working with a different office. Yeah, and even within exactly even within our own team, we had、uh, some employees, the foreign employees, because of all these paperwork stuff, like they couldn't、mm-hmm. move to our、mm-hmm. building, so they're just in another building, and we're just having online meetings all the time. And of course, sometimes we meet outside for coffee, but. When we're working, we're just working in our own respective buildings. Well, I know there are a couple of different things going on in my own industry with teaching English. So、uh, there's like, firstly, before the pandemic, there was there were companies, the huge companies, and I, I don't think I can say their names, <laughs> who were doing remote English teaching. So there, there were advertisements in the subway, and they were they're massive, and they were just making like billions of dollars. So if you were like a an English teacher living in Canada, you could just get a job with one of these companies and remote teach children on their off hours outside of their school for extra money to make some additional income, or maybe as the your primary source of income. And then now that there has been the double reduction on ed, as what I would guess would we could. Yeah. Now call superfluous education, and in core subjects, there's still like some government agencies that are facilitating learning for students on off hours, and they are still using a lot of remote English teachers、uh, to help kids in their core subjects. But it's more equitable across all students instead of、yeah. just some wealthy students being able to afford this kind of service. So like there are people globally providing English teaching services for for Chinese students. Yeah, that's I mean if. Really think about it. That's how we were able to, you know, in our days, we were able to talk to all of these admission mm, officers mm, when we we're applying for grad school. It's kind of the same deal. Like all the interviews are done, and I know that some schools, some、uh, American universities, have their representatives or offices here in China. But when I was applying for grad school,、mm. all of my interviews were done online, and that was that was ten years ago. That was like early form remote working in a way. You know, I think the new companies that are providing like digital services for Like remote face to face interviewing, <laughs> are considerably better than the older ones. <laughs> I, I do need your help on just elaborate on that a little bit because I'm a little bit confused on what's the old one and what's the new one. I can't say. I, I think I would get in trouble because if I said the companies that I thought were not doing a good job previously,、um, then it would be like, hey, is that libel or something? So I'm gonna have to avoid it. But I remember in the '90s there were already like face to face like you know services for like talking to people. Where you could look at them, you know,、yeah. like, oh wow, Star Trek has finally arrived, or whatever. Isn't that isn't that crazy though? If you think about it, it, it looking back on it, it was so bad <laughs> compared to the stuff we have now. Wait, I have to I have to talk to you off air and see which company it is. But I I will say this: we're thinking about this earlier. It like with all of these technologies advancing. Enabling people to work remotely, you know that if you're doing really well, then the name of your product becomes a verb like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you know that okay, I've made it. Like for example, like let's zoom it. Like oh, zoom yeah, you. Yeah, like yeah. that's okay. I made it. I made it in this. Yeah. In this. You know, other examples. Are you familiar with the company Kleenex? Yes. That is exactly what you're talking about, and it's not a verb, but it's like people don't say tissue. Can I have a tissue? There's a Kleenex. Yeah.、And、may I have a Kleenex, please? And it doesn't matter what. 
brand of tissue you have. In America, they don't call it tissue. They call it Kleenex Kleenex. because Kleenex is such a huge company in tissue making in the United States that it became the name for tissue. Yeah, there's so many many examples of those. And and I felt like the past two, three years, the only the the the, the one that stands out the most is probably Zoom because that really that's what people needed the most is to see other co-workers on you know online face to face although zoom is great like you're mentioning it's very international but here in china you know people do zoom and blue jeans and stuff but they also wechat so like wechat is ubiquitous with everyone everyone has and if you're in china you have wechat it is the same as being alive basically yeah i i i was i'm like okay with wechat i i know that it's very uh, look, what I did the most uh, when I was, uh, I did a lot of phone calls, uh, work phone calls on WeChat last year during COVID. But what I did the most with WeChat was like to eat with my friends. We would just put ourselves all on camera. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is, this counts as eating dinner together. That's what I did the most. That is so weird because I'm the exact opposite. If That's the one thing I really don't like when people are around when I'm eating because I'm like... <laughs> I'm like a U.S. soldier come back from the war or whatever. I'm just like. (laughs) 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 Anyways, I'm sorry. That is all the time we have. I'd love to talk to you again. And I hope that our fans would love to hear us as well. I hope they're not tired of us yet. (laughs) There shouldn't be. This is such a fun conversation. All right. We'll talk to you next time, Alex. See you next time, Jason.